1: Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Jennifer Edwards. She is our supervisor of elections here in Collier County. We'll be talking about what's coming up on November the eighth, as well as beforehand. Dr. Chad Savage is the founder of Your Choice Direct Care. We'll be talking to him about his column. Uh, we'll also visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Les Government, will be joining us as well. It is September the 27th, and on this day in 1779, the Continental Congress appointed John Adams to travel to France as uh, uh, minister... <laughs> plenipotenti, uh, in charge of negotiating treaties of peace and commerce with Great Britain during the Revolutionary War. Believe there's not, I actually looked up that word for its pronunciation. Screwed it up. Anyhow, Adams had traveled to Paris in 1778 to negotiate an alliance with France, but had been unceremoniously dismissed when Congress chose Benjamin Franklin as sole commissioner. Soon after returning to Massachusetts in 1779, Adams was elected as delegate to the state convention to draw up a new constitution. He was involved in these duties when he learned of his new diplomatic commission, accompanied by his young sons John Quincy and Charles, Adams sailed from for Europe. That November, aboard the French ship Sensible, which sprang a leak early in the voyage and missed its original destination, instead landing in uh, northwestern Spain, after an arduous journey by mule train across the Pyrenees and into France, Adams and his group reached Paris in early February 1780. While in Paris, Adams wrote uh, to Congress almost daily, sometimes several letters a day, sharing news about British politics, British and French naval activities, and his general perspective on European affairs, Conditions were unfavorable for peace at the time, as the war was going badly for the Continental Army, and the blunt and sometimes confrontational atoms clashed with the French government, especially the powerful foreign ministers Charles Gravy, at Comte de Virginie. In uh, mid-June, Adams began a correspondence with Virgin, in which he pushed for naval assistance, antagonizing both Virgin and Franklin, who brought the matter to attention of Congress. By that time, Adams had uh, departed for Holland, where he was attempting to negotiate a loan from the Dutch. Before the end of the year, he was named American minister to the Netherlands, replacing Henry Lawrence, who was captured at sea by the British in June 1781, capitulating. To pressure from Virgin and other uh, French diplomats, Congress acted to revoke Adams' sole powers as peacemaker with Britain, appointing Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, and John Jay, and Lawrence to uh, negotiate along with him. So Adams apparently was pretty confrontational and blunt, but he ended up being president of the United States in any event. All that happening on this day, 1779 it was, by the way, we should take a look at the hurricane activity. Of course, we're on hurricane watch right now. And the cone of uncertainty, as of 5 a.m., it looks like it's going we're going to have a tropical storm. The hurricane itself, it will develop into a hurricane, according to this report. And uh, <clears throat> it is going to go north of us, but that we will have lots of uh, rain, lots of wind, up to 40 miles an hour wind, apparently, or even higher as well as uh, even some storm surge. We need to be watching for that. Pay attention because uh, storm surge can be very serious. And, uh, you know, make sure that you got everything that you need because it's going to have some bad weather here for a couple of days. Wall Street slayed uh, deeper into bear market territory yesterday when the Dow Jones and the S&P 500 Nasdaq to close for the first time in bear market territory this year as investors fretted with the Federal Reserve's aggressive campaign against inflation could throw U.S. economy to a sharp downturn. After two weeks of mostly steady losses on the U.S. stock market, the Dow Jones Industrial Average confirmed it had been in bear market since early January. On Monday, the S&P 500 index ended the session below its mid-June closing. Uh, extending the year's uh, overall sell-off, the Dow Jones uh, shed 329 points, or 1.11 percent, and uh, S&P lost 1.03, and uh, the Nasdaq was off 0.6 to finish at 10,802. With the Fed signaling last Wednesday that high interest rates could last through 2023, the S&P 500 has relinquished the last of its gains made in the summer rally. Confidence among stock traders was also shaken by dramatic moves in global foreign exchange markets as sterling hit an all-time low on worries the new British government fiscal plan released Friday threatened to stretch the country's finances. So interesting, I've never seen this before, but the dollar is actually higher with all these financial issues that we've had, forcing down the price of gold. The Dow is now about 20% from its record high, Uh, Its close on January the 4th, according to widely used definition, the session down 20% or more from its record high close, confirms that the Dow has been in bear market since it hit the peak in January. According to preliminary data, the S&P 500 lost 37 points and uh, the Nasdaq Composite lost 65.39 points. It got creamed. The market got creamed yesterday. Everything was down, and down. bonds must have been down substantially, too. Of course, as interest rates go up, the value of b- bonds goes down. Hey, there's no place to hide right now. We just got to grin and bear it, huh? In the 15-minute speech, Georgia Maloney, she's the new prime minister of uh, Italy, shared her remarks at the God Country Honor President Ronald Reagan, John Pope Paul II, and the Freedom of Nations, a national conservatism conference in Rome, Italy, on February the 3rd, 2020. And here's what she said Our main enemy today is the globalist drift of those who view identity in all of its forms to be an evil to overcome, and constantly ask to shift real power away from the people to supernatural entities headed by supposedly enlightened elites. Let's be clear in our mind, because we did not fight against and defeat communism in order to replace it with a new international regime, but to permit independent nation-states once again to defend the freedom, identity, and sovereignty of their people, she said. Another video of Prime Minister Georgia Maloney is making rounds online, which has received 9.3 million views in just 14 hours and was praised by several conservatives, including Ted, uh, Ted Cruz. Here's why elites and globalists are freaking out about George Maloney's victory in Italy's election last night. Here's the transcript. What is, why is the family an enemy? Why is the family so frightening? There's a single answer to all these questions because it defines us, because it's our identity, because everything that uh, defines us is now an enemy for those who would like us to no longer have an identity and be simply perfect consumer slaves. And They attack national identity, they attack religious identity, they attack gender identity, they attack family identity. I can't define myself as Italian, Christian, woman, mother. No, I must be citizen X, gender X, parent 1, parent 2. I must be a number because when I'm only a number, when I no longer have an identity or roots, then I will be the perfect slave at the mercy of financial speculators, the perfect consumers. But we will defend it. We will defend God, country, family. Those things that disgust people so much, we will do it to defend our freedom because we will never be slaves and simple consumers at the mercy of financial speculators. That is our mission, she said. That is why I came here today. Uh, Chesterson wrote, more than a century ago, fires will be kindled to testify that two plus, plus two make four. Swords will be drawn to prove that leaves are green in the summer. That time has arrived. We are ready, said Merloni. Great speech. Great woman rising to the occasion right now. We're seeing this in uh, England right now with uh, the new prime minister and now with Merloni. She sounds like she's got real fortitude, intestinal fortitude. She sounds like she's up to the battle. And (laughs) quite frankly, a real threat to the European Union. Well, serious questions have been raised regarding the uh, arrest last week of Catholic pro-life speaker. Donations continue to pour in. For the father of seven, you may have heard about this, Mark Halk of Kintersville, Pennsylvania, was handcuffed by FBI agents on Friday morning and arrested in front of his children. Can you believe that? The 48-year-old Houck later was charged with physically assaulting a patient escort at the Planned Parenthood Clinic in Philadelphia nearly a year ago when Halk's wife, uh, Ryan Marie, asked the FBI agents whether they had a warrant. She told uh, LifeSite News that the agents replied that we're going to take him whether we have a warrant or not. Lawless FBI. Mark Houck, who regularly prays the rosary outside the uh, clinic, maintains he was defending his 12-year-old son from the escort's verbal harassment. Family spokesman Brian Middleton told the Catholic News Agency on Sunday. The man fell after Houck pushed him away, the spokesman added. The police and their district attorney declined to file charges against Houck, but the escort that had filed a private criminal complaint in Philadelphia Municipal Court, said Middleton, who added that the case was dismissed in July when the man repeatedly did not show up in court. However, just days later, Halk received a target letter from the U.S. Attorney's Office informing him that he was the focus of a federal criminal probe in the same incident. Halk, though his attorney, through his attorney at the time, attempted to contact the U.S. Attorney's Office to discuss the case, but never received a response. He was then arrested on Friday. At 7 a.m. on Friday, September the 23rd, 20 SWAT team members burst into the house of Mark Houck, founder of the Kingsmen, an organization that forms men to to act as leaders and protectors of their families and communities, especially in the fight to end abortion. Pennsylvania life activist Joe Ashley uh, wrote in a crowdfunding platform, These agents had guns drawn and shields up in faces of Mark, his wife, and their seven young children. Mark was handcuffed in front of his family and arrested. Can you believe that? As of Monday morning, the uh, Garricks had uh, gathered more than $157,000 via a crowdfunding page for the Halk family. Funds raised through the campaign will go to help the family with necessary expenses, according to the site. Halk, if convicted, get this faces up to a maximum of 11 years in prison, three years of supervised release, and fines of up to $350,000. You just can't make this up. Are we turning into a police state? This is just unbelievable. That, that, this, do you think that this fits the quote-unquote crime, if any, exists? Unbelievable. Well, a NASA spacecraft rammed an asteroid at blistering speed Monday in an unprecedented dress rehearsal for a day of a killer rock menaces the Earth. This is all pretty cool. This is a a galactic slam occurred at a harmless asteroid 7 million miles away, and the spacecraft named DART plowed into this rock at 14,000 miles per hour. Scientists expected the impact to carve out a crater, hurl streams of rock and dirt into space, and most importantly, alter the asteroid's orbit. Now this uh, this uh, rocket is apparently is no bigger than a vending machine, but it went towards the uh, asteroid, and uh, the, they didn't want to destroy the asteroid because the asteroid weighs, you know, nine point six million kilometers, and the uh, space rock the uh, the. Uh, uh, vending machine, or the the rocket, weighs. Needless to say, much less than that. But it was just to try and alter the orbit. That's ex- exactly what they're attempting to do. Anyhow, as a, a reigning success, it'll take several days, perhaps weeks, to get all the information they want to see if it really affected the direction and of the. Uh, of the rock, but uh, this is space is so interesting, and we're learning so much all the time. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Jennifer Edwards, our supervisor of elections here in Collier County. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: 4541
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden show and now here's your host Bob Harden
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center downtown Naples. To find out more and get tickets, visit the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Chad Savage. Right now we have with us Jennifer Edwards, our supervisor of elections here in Collier County. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us.
3: My pleasure. Good morning, everyone.
1: Good morning, Jennifer. Are you all battened up and ready for the for the storm?
3: Boy, I tell you, it's uh, something. I woke up this morning, the first thing I did was turn on the TV for the news, and I started hearing about evacuations in counties north of us. So I, I pray that everybody's safe.
1: Indeed, Jennifer. So I wanted to have you on the show just to highlight, the, first of all, the importance of elections and where we stand right now in the process, I understand that early voting is going to start this week.
3: Oh, no, early voting will not.
1: I'm no. sorry, a mail-in voting. I meant, uh, I meant. Uh, yes,
3: yes, vote by mail. You know that uh, last Friday and Saturday, we mailed our ballots to our overseas voters and our military voters. So those are in the mail, the first group of those and we'll continue to mail those and then we also Thursday this Thursday we will be mailing our our mail ballots to our residents so um, watch for that you should have yours in the mailbox by Friday or Saturday if you've requested one so the there'll be um We'll begin mailing, as I said, Thursday, September the 29th, and we will be mailing those through October 31st. So if you haven't requested your mail ballot yet, you can do so uh, through October the 31st. And then we'll be mailing them through the 31st. I just looked at my deadline is October 29th. Folks, if you want to request a vote-by-mail ballot, please go ahead and request it. You can do it online at uh, callyourvotes.gov. Callyourvotes.gov is our website. Yeah. And uh, you can request there, or you can pick up the phone and give us a call. And we're going to begin early voting, though, on October the 27th, and that will run through November the 5th will be open at 11 locations from 9 in the morning till 6 in the evening, 11 different locations. So you can go to our website, callyourvotes.gov, to determine the locations of those.
1: So, uh, Jennifer, do, we, do you have to go to your assigned precinct, in other words, to vote, or you, can you go to any of the 11?
3: During early voting, you can go to any of the eleven. But on Election Day, and we do have voters who still want to wait and go to their polling locations on Election Day, they must go to their assigned precinct on Election Day. Now, about a month ago, we mailed everybody new voter information cards. Our population has grown, as you know, and we went through redistricting. Mm -hmm. So we have added six new precincts. And, we add, and so voters' location may have changed. So please look at that new voter information card we mailed you. Or you can go to our website, callyourvotes.gov, and look yourself up to determine where you need to go vote. Or, of course, you can uh, give our office a call.
1: It's really incredible. I just really compliment you on the quality of your website. You know, uh, for example, you can actually not only for example, mail in your vote, but you can actually see that when it's been received and, and uh, registered as a vote, so you're able to track the whole process. It kind of gives you some peace of mind about how the process is working.
3: Well, thank you for, for mentioning that because, yes, we are very proud of the fact that you can track your ballot, and if we have your email or text information, we now have the capability of emailing you or texting you And telling you that we received your ballot request, we received, uh, and, and we mailed the ballot, and we received your ballot back. So we try to make it as convenient as possible and to build confidence in the process.
1: And, you know, I just want to also compliment you because uh, you hear these horror stories about uh, extra ballots and the things that are happening in other states. I just take, really take pride in the fact that here in Florida, we seem to have things under control. And certainly in Collier County, I mean, uh, we uh, don't have long lines. I think, what did I see there's about 20, 30 percent of the people who vote vote by mail? Yes,
3: that number has increased over time. And, of course, in the 2020 election, um, over half of our voters voted by mail because of the pandemic. And I think some of those voters realized how convenient it is, and they will continue to vote by mail. And we encourage everybody, if you think you're going to be out of town, please, please request that vote by mail ballot because we can mail it wherever you're going to be, mm-hmm. but you have to tell us where to mail the ballot. And a change in law is that uh, going forward, the voter will be asked to request a vote-by-mail ballot every election cycle. So that that is one of the changes. Also, one of the changes is that when the voter requests a vote-by-mail ballot, they're required to give us ID so we will be asking them for their driver's license number or the last four of their social when um, they request the ballot.
1: Well, Jennifer, I'm we- really
3: proud to uh I'm really proud to tell you that we have we're over 250,000 registered voters in Collier County now. When I started working in the elections office, We had just around 100,000. Wow. So we certainly have grown over the years. And uh, we have very active voters in Collier County. In the 2020 election, we led the state. We had the highest turnout from all 67 counties. Wow. 90% of Collier County voters voted in 2020. So I expect good turnout this time, too. So. Please, please get
1: out and vote. Absolutely. Jennifer Edwards, again, our supervisor of elections here in Cuyahoga County. I really appreciate the great quality work that you do in your office. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us.
3: I give all the credit to our wonderful staff, and thank you all very, very much. Thank Have you. a great day.
1: You as well. Thank you, Jennifer. And stay dry. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Dr. Chad Savage. He is the founder of Your Choice Direct Care. That and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs>
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network.
1: You have questions about your retirement? AmeriPrize Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of AmeriPrize Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach,
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob
1: Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, providing programs and, pro- programs and policies to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.com. Coming up, going to visit with the founder and president of Less Government, Seton Motley. Right now we have with us Dr. Chad Savage. He is the founder of Your Choice uh, Direct Care. Dr. Savage, thank you so much for joining us here on the show.
4: Morning, Bob. Happy to be here.
1: well Thank you so much. Tell us about Your Choice Direct Care.
4: Well, it's a direct primary care clinic. And for those of you who aren't familiar with that, that's a, a that is not a franchise. People get confused because they hear about my specific individual practice and they think that this is something that's franchised out. Direct primary care is kind of a concept of how to practice medicine. We're membership model practices where we don't bill insurance for our services, we usually create a very low, affordable Ah, predictable monthly membership for our our patients to engage in, where they can access all the medical care that they can consume. They come in and see us as much as they need. They never pay co-pays or anything like that. And the prices vary from clinic to clinic as they're all individual practices, but usually they range in the in the range from a hundred, I'm sorry, from fifty to a hundred dollars a month for all the medical care you can consume. and to try to make it affordable for our patients, Ah, uh, we usually get at-cost uh, medicines, uh, labs, and imaging services, which, if combined with uh, inexpensive uh, coverage products, can actually be less expensive than the poor-quality, high-cost insurance-based care that we currently have.
1: So, I would imagine under the circumstances, if you probably carry a catastrophic care type of policy in case you have to be hospitalized or whatever, and then you got the-
4: it exactly that, or health sharing, or. Um, short-term, limited-duration policies. There are several different options. People can even get indemnity plans and things of that sort. Uh, but, yeah, you know, we can't do everything. If you need your appendix out, I don't take people into the break room and pull out our butter <laughs> knife or anything like that. You still definitely need to have insurance for, you know, catastrophic expenses, which is why they call it catastrophic insurance. Right. But currently in healthcare, the care, uh, the, uh, that's not what we have. We have more prepaid medical, and you're usually paying thousands of dollars to the middleman. To get the primary care service that really should cost hundreds of dollars, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, the catastrophic expense is actually becoming the insurance itself.
1: Wow, it's so interesting. I think it's a great concept, Doctor uh, Savage. So, you wrote a piece in Real Clear Health that says, "Don't, uh, don't buy into the COVID relief spending spree." Maybe you could tell us about it.
4: Yeah, sure. So, so it's more of a—I was trying to have a warning to to people about the levels of spending we've had in the last several years. Um, you know, we've gotten, we've become so numb to staggeringly incomprehensible numbers that we toss them around without really appreciating their meaning. I mean, uh, you and I are probably old enough to remember when a billion was a big number. And now it's, uh, you know, it's a trillion. And I like to think back to Austin Powers, they, the uh, the uh, uh, the movie where they, unf- they fr- unfroze a, a mastermind criminal from the 60s. And he was so out of touch with the times when he was resurrected essentially in the 90s, that he wanted to, you know, uh, to, to, to extort from the world a million dollars. And he thought that was a big deal. And everybody shook their head in disbelief that, that he was so out of touch. And they, they said, no, no, you have to say a billion dollars. Well, now since the 1990s, when that movie came out, we're talking in trillions of dollars. So we've gone a thousandfold above that. Wow. And what does that mean to people? Well, in the last, uh, in the last several years, we have now spent in, in the range of $7 trillion in COVID relief um Of, of 600 mil, billion of which is still unspent, and yet the government is still going back and, and requesting more allocation of additional funds for COVID. Yeah. And though COVID is certainly serious, and I'm not discounting its its relevance, at its height, it was the third leading cause of death in the United States, a fraction of cardiovascular deaths and and a fraction of cancer deaths. And to just kind of put 600 billion dollars into perspective we spend about $6 billion annually on cancer research in the United States. So $600 billion still left to be allocated could be equivalent to 100 years of cancer research. And if you allocated 100 years of cancer research, there would actually be a reasonable probability that we would cure cancer. So what would be the more meaningful allocation of those funds to go for further handouts to favored industries? Or, or to more meaningful, impactful things. Cancer has been a bane to human existence since the creation of our species that would probably be much more impactful than even if we were able to cure COVID.
1: What do you think the reason, I also heard a statistic that, for example, the infrastructure program, a small percentage, maybe 1% or 2% of that money has actually been spent on infrastructure or anything for that matter, so just sitting there in the treasury. What do you think is going on there?
4: Well, you know, whoever controls the purse is has got a lot of power. You know, so it's not necessarily money that's coming from the source. So, you know, we the taxpayers are the one providing the money to the government, and you would think that therefore we hold the power. We don't. When we give up those funds, we also give up the control of those funds, and that's something you see in healthcare too when you give it up to insurance companies, the doctors are beholden to the insurance companies, not to you. Mm-hmm. And when you give it up to the government, Whoever the, is purchasing the services is purchasing it from pers- purchasing it from the government and feels beholden to them. So that's a lot of power to control those funds. And when you consider that we are the largest economy in the history of the world, and government makes up more than half of that economy now, that's an immensely powerful position to be in. Um, now, the the worry is, you know, how do we track those dollars? Do we know that they're being rationally spent? Mm-hmm. And much like, you know, some of the the uh, criticisms of the ukrainian spending as we are you know unloading uh you know dump trucks full of cash over there and we don't really know where all that money is going i'd argue the same is true here you have the ppp funds which many people have now recognized a lot of that money we have no idea how it was how where it went or how it was spent and there's a belief that there's uh, a decent amount of that that may have been fraudulent um well you know that's uh That's uh, not a good situation to be on. In in response to that, we we hear about the 57,000 IRS agents that are going to be hired. And from my own experience in the medical field, I have a warning to anybody who took those funds is to make sure that you took them appropriately and you have your ducks in a row. And the reason I say that is in the in the late 2000s, the government came to doctors with Mm. a similar proposal that what sounded like free money, much like PPP sounded like, though, obviously it was trying to make up for the economic harm of the shutdown. At that time, they said to doctors, we want you to use electronic records and understand they were being adopted without any government intervention at that time, and they were wonderful and they worked great. But they offered $54,000 per doctor to adopt them. Sounded great, free cash. I wanted to do that anyway in my own practice. I said, great, let me, let me take that money that will help, um, you know, cover some of the costs of bringing in this electronic record. And at first, it seemed just as, it, as they claimed. We got the money, we purchased electronic record. But after the fact, the government put on stipulations. Yeah. And they said, they said, no, 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 if that's not a good enough record. It has to do this, and it has to report to us, and it must record things in this way. And basically, excuse my bluntness, but it bastardized the record. Yep. The record previously had been a repository of relevant medical information, and instead it became a reporting tool, very. Uh, poorly functioning slowing doctors down interfering with patient care at much expense and i worry with ppp could something similar to that occur with that Do, did we unwittingly beholden ourselves by taking those funds
1: so interesting well they've already i i think yeah uh, uh there was a, a ring of uh, somalians i believe up in the minnesota that were at, uh uh, fr- fraudulently making claims against the, uh, the PPP fund. So it's, it's a real problem. Of course, some of us. So what you're saying, though, the real problem is that maybe they'll be coming back at us and saying, hey, there's strings attached to this money.
4: Yeah, 87,000 IRS agents. I wouldn't be surprised at all. The audits are coming soon, mm-hmm. and they start trying to claw back some of that money. So, um, you know, and some of that could be with good intent, right? We know there was corruption there. We want to get, there was a huge amount of money. I understand that. But, you know, how do they know who's corrupt or not? They're going to have to audit people. They're going to have to check their records. Audits are incredibly ghastly, (laughs) you know. So I would expect that um, people are going to have unpleasant experiences, which is one of the reasons why my practice did not take PPP funds. I, I just got burned before with that experience. I was in a blessed situation because of the membership model that we didn't have to take those funds. And though many people were like, Hey, what are you crazy? You, you got to take this money. It's, you know, it's out there. They're encouraging people to take it. Yeah. They were like begging people to sign up for PPP. And I said, no, no, just, I just had a bad feeling about this experience it before. And I think, uh, if you watch the signs are there that, they're setting up for that kind of bait and switch once again
1: yeah dr chad savage founder of your choice direct care great message so interesting uh dr savage i really appreciate your commentary thank you so much for joining us here on the show my pleasure all right coming up we're going to be visiting with seton motley the founder and president of less government we're going to do that and more right here on the bob hardin show on the bob hardin broadcasting network
0: Back to the Bob Harton show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new refreshing social networking platform and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. We have the Seaton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seaton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning sir. Tell us about less government.
5: I can't. We're not doing it. Um, <laughs> we exist to reduce the size, scope, of scared influence of government. No one else does. And Just as a little sidelight, I, I watch. I usually watch CNBC in the morning, and some idiot British female financial reporter referred to the forty-five billion dollars in tax cuts that the pounds, um, of course, in sterling, uh, that the new conservative prime minister is proposing. They referred to them as unfunded. It's not the government's money, you friggin' idiot!
1: Anyway, by the way, a rock star she is. I, I think she's going to do a good job, and along with this, uh, Marloni. And, oh,
5: oh the, the, the the Italian woman. I I, I want to propose to her right now on
1: the radio. <laughs> she's fantastic. She's a yeah. She, uh, you know what? It's great to see the nationalism. I wonder how this is going to influence the, uh, the EU. But that's another topic. Um, You wrote a piece called Privacy Anyone? Big Tech's D.C. cronyism and U.S. tyranny are murdering us. Maybe you can tell us about it.
5: Yeah, you know, um, every once in a while I want to revisit the fact that the Internet's been around for a quarter century and D.C. still can't pass a privacy law to protect our data from Big Tech. Right. There's still no privacy law, none. Um, There's still Section 230, which is the biggest cronyism in the history of cronyism for Big tech. Right. Um, where they get unlimited liability from third party action, which is, they're the only companies in the history of the world to do that. I always refer to my hypothetical neighborhood bar. If two patrons got in a fight in my bar, I'd have to carry liability insurance. And that's third party action. Right. But, but I don't get government protection and Google does. Yeah. <laughs> and Facebook does really. Yeah. That doesn't seem absurd at all. um, but they can't pass a privacy law. Privacy law, when you hear privacy law, what you need to think of is it's, it's, it's rules to be applied, laws to be applied to how big tech handles our data. Now, the reason big tech has stymied real privacy laws for a quarter century is because that's how they make all their money. Sure. 90-plus percent of Google's money comes from monetizing you. The old saying is, if, if it's on the internet and it's free, you're the, you're the product. You're right. the commodity. So they can't get that passed. They get Section 230 way before they even knew they wanted it. It was way back in 96. Um, they, they keep pushing for stupid net neutrality, which gets dumber by the day with the advancement of the uh, internet away from wired to wireless. Uh, it just gets dumber and dumber, but that's still on the left's radar as some sort of, retroactive payback to uh, big tech. I mean, we've already jammed it through twice uh, at the FCC. Um, Now it's looking like, thank God, with the Supreme Court ruling in West Virginia versus EPA, that they realize, oh, we actually have to pass legislation for this. And that hopefully slows that down. But it's just everything that happens. Nothing happens in D.C. that big tech doesn't want to happen. In fact, what they're doing now is they're going to states. Because the, the federal they thoroughly gummed up the states. Uh, the, I mean the federal government as far as anything privacy related happening. So now they're going to the big states like like California, which they own anyway. Ideologically, they're they you know they're in tune, and they're writing the privacy laws. Well, this is what I said about you know when when they added eighty-seven thousand IRS employees. They said we're going to audit the rich. No, you're not because the rich write the tax laws. All right. They're not breaking the laws because they write the laws. They write them to accommodate what they're doing. Right. And and, and so now they're doing the same thing, California's privacy laws. And of course, it's, it's very easy sledding for them there because it's California. And of course, the state shouldn't be engaged in Internet policy because it's obviously a World Wide Web. And we need one federal policy on all these things to, to then go and mesh with the rest of the world. And it screws everything up when you've got California with one privacy law and Montana with another privacy law. It's just, it's, it's, you can't do it that way. Yeah. Inter- this is one of those instances where interstate commerce t- dictates federalism seeds to the federal government. Um, but anyway, they, they just, they, the short of it is they continue to own and operate Washington, D.C. any way they want. They can block legislation they don't want, they get legislation they want, they protect the cronyism they've already got. Nothing happens that big tech doesn't want to see happen.
1: Well, well, I would say that you know, you've got to include big pharma, and uh, the, also the military-industrial complex oh, in there well, too.
5: <laughs> any you know any big uh, business? Yes, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I was focusing specifically on the, the tech genre because of privacy. Absolutely. You know, the, 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 the reason I wrote about privacy was there. The latest, you know, every two years we get the oh this one this privacy bill might pass, and we're getting those stories now as the as the, as the Legislative calendar winds down towards the next election. Uh, we're getting the latest. Oh, this version of privacy is going to pass. And even if it, and then of course this is an article. Even if it doesn't, it's good news for DC because it means they got close. Yeah. They've been getting close for ten years.
1: Yeah. No. No. It's exactly right, Seaton. Is it
5: horseshoes or hand grenades, Bob?
1: Exactly. Hey, you know, um, although I think here in Florida we do have a privacy. Law and I realize it that I understand that you don't we need a national, but nevertheless I think the governor right now is trying and the legislature is trying to do something about protecting our well, privacy. Well, yeah,
5: but again, you know, <clears throat> now, now you're going to have imagine you know, I I, I don't want to elicit sympathy for big tech companies, but remember ISPs have to adhere to the privacy law too. Yeah, the people who connect you now. Imagine being that company and having to match Montana. Florida, yeah. California, New York, New Jersey. It, it, no, no, you can't. It, it's, it's insane. You, the, the bits are flying, you know, across state lines in milliseconds. And you're going to have 50 different privacy laws? That's oh, yeah. it's insane.
1: It is, Seton. So, uh, so what what are the chances that we, uh, we're going to get uh, some sort of privacy law between, in the next? Not this time. Not in this legislative session, no, huh?
5: No, 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 I mean, you know, it's September, It's the end of September, and, and there's an election this year.
1: How's the and FCC who's funding
5: the left again?
1: Yeah, who's who's? How's the FCC doing?
5: Well, it's been interesting because they nominated a radical named Gigi Stone, who's a friend of mine. I know her, but yeah. she's a radical. Yeah, and I've I've had her. She was on two. I put together two tech panels in my life in D.C., and she was on both of them. She's great. Yeah. But she's insane. Yeah. <laughs> and she, they nominated her, nominated her as the fifth commissioner, which would break the 2-2 tie. And because it's it's a 2-2 tie, 90-plus percent of what the FCC does is non-ideological. It's, you know, keeping the trains running on time. right? Well, you can pass all that in a 2-2 split because it's most of it's unanimous. What you can't do with a with a with a two two split is pass all the ideological crap. So because they've remained steadfastly resistant to pulling her nomination and replacing it with someone a little more reasonable, it's been two two the entire t- first two years of Biden's term, and and nothing radical has come from the FCC. It's been all they've been doing all their stuff, all the stuff that, that they're supposed to do, and none of the stuff they're not.
1: Well, I suppose that's good news then. Again, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. You can also follow Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I always appreciate your well-conceived... Remember,
5: one of our mottos should be, Don't, hey, government, don't just do something, stand there. Just
1: Exactly. Thanks so much for joining us, Seton. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, I'm going to visit with Linda Harden, my wife. Uh, she writes commentary and a, a column, blog. Uh, we're going to be doing that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Bob show, and now here is your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Linda Harden. She's my wife. She's also what, probably the most well-informed person I know on what's happening around the world and locally here and in the United States as well. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Wow,
2: thanks. That's a nice compliment. Oh, well, you are. Good I morning.
1: mean, you're uh, ferreting out great new information all the time.
2: I'm addicted to this stuff. It's just, it's, it's just amazing. You know what? There's so much news coming out all the time. It's like drinking out of a fire hose.
1: Well, I know. But, by the way. Uh, you know of course we have these hurricane or tropical storm conditions here on the paradise coast but nevertheless uh, today and tomorrow the last days of sizzle dining that's a great opportunity for a fixed price lunch or dinner at great restaurants you can go to sizzledining.com to find out what's going on with regard to we're, we're actually going to blue provence tomorrow i hope we're able to do it i hope
2: so too i hope I, you know i just remember you know, Irma was five years ago. Yeah. And remember, we went down to Blue Provence thinking, oh, we'll just go down and get a quick bite. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: the place <laughs> was underwater. <laughs> I know. It was just like, nope, this isn't going to happen. Yeah, no, that's right. Well, so so uh, Hurricane, any thoughts?
2: Well, the 8 o'clock advisory is coming up. We'll see what they, you know, it's amazing to me that they have all this equipment um, that keeps advancing and advancing and advancing. But they still can't seem to figure out the exact track of these storms, which is
1: amazing to me. It is amazing with all the things that, yeah, you know, the 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 hurricane itself. It's kind of different. It's a it's a natural disaster that actually takes a long time to develop. You get a lot of warning, but you're not exactly sure what's going to happen and when it's going to happen until it really does happen. Unlike an earthquake in California, I mean, we went through earthquakes where. You know, you had no notice. It happened. It just happened. It just
2: happened. You know, it's interesting about this storm, though. Is, um, remember, we were worried so much about Irma, about the storm surge, and they were predicting this huge storm surge? Right. Well, now they're predicting a huge storm storm surge, you know, for up in Tampa and whatever. And yet they say, well, we, we're still not sure where this storm is going. I'm going, seriously?
1: Yeah. I mean, there's it, you have to be careful because you have this fear porn going on. We had it with regard to this. The uh, virus, and now it happens with the weathermen. Just love to beat the fear drum.
2: Oh my goodness, they just are—they're just all over it, amped up. Meanwhile, the, the, Jim Cantori's is up in Clearwater Beach, so we know oh, that's where. That must be
1: where it's going. Then that's, that's ground central. Jim Santori knows where. <laughs> the storm is going it's just amazing though that uh you know uh, i mean people need to take care and uh, but what we found out is that sometimes you're better off just staying at home and locking things up
2: we learned i learned the big lesson we should have done what you said during irma but you know i it, when they tell you um to evacuate and if you don't the only way you'll be able to be identified is if you write a, your social security number on your arm because you'll be dead. Yeah. I mean, that got my attention. I'm yeah. sorry, but it, it it just did. Yeah,
1: F- fear porn on steroids. <laughs> Talk
2: about about fear. You know, I, I was just watching um, the news, and and they were saying that that um, Joe Biden is getting scared now. Oh, by the way, the the only, the good news about this hurricane is that Joe Biden canceled his trip to Florida, which was huge.
1: Well. I would have liked to have seen him come to Florida because, as usual, they probably uh, hire some union members or something like that to show up because nobody would show up if, in fact, he came.
2: You know, and, and kudos to uh, Ron DeSantis, who activated all the, the National Guard that were booted out because they refused to be vaccinated. And Ron DeSantis is just going, you know, screw you, we're, we're activating them. Yeah, good for him. And, yeah. and oh, just so you know, there's another busload of uh uh, migrants that were unloaded in New York City this morning. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's just. Yeah, well, the, the news is just incredible.
1: I mean, some people say we're using these people, and they're they're being pawns. And no, the fact of the matter is it's bringing national attention to a problem that we've had since the beginning of the Biden administration. And that's open borders, and now all of a sudden people in New York are getting a taste of open borders, getting a taste in Martha's Vineyard, in Chicago, in Washington, D.C. I mean, this is—and you can't— well,
2: because the mainstream media wouldn't cover it, and it was just like bringing the attention. And, and like Ron DeSantis says— they need to know what's go- what the what poor Texas. They're complaining about 50 people in Martha's Vineyard, and and there are thousands, tens of thousands that have come over the border in in Texas. And um, uh, the border czar, Kamala Harris, is over in Japan somewhere who could give a hoot about what's going on. And Joe Biden is, doesn't even bother. And there, it, it's just it's just disgusting. The whole scenario is just disgusting. So good for Ron DeSantis for bringing the light. And and um, um, the governor of Texas.
1: Yeah, I like to say that Ron DeSantis is our firewall against federal insanity.
2: And you know that, and you know it's, you know how desperate the left is getting because Charlie chris says, "Well, what Ron? De, everything Ron DeSantis has done is wrong." What? Is, <laughs> let, let's see. Let's see how much more I can dig myself in. What's that saying? When you,
1: it, when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and Charlie Christ is doing it nonstop. Anyways, uh, uh, getting back to Joe Biden for just a second, um, on on TV they were saying he's getting fearful and desperate because he then he starts making stuff up, you know, and, and playing fast and loose with with any facts. Well, in my opinion, he's been doing that for a long time.
1: Absolutely. So,
2: but he's he's talking about how gas prices are going down in some some states; they're below three dollars. When when the White House uh, press guy for for fox news he says all you need to do is do gas buddy and go through all the states and and all it says is that the gas is going up
1: that's right it's a ch- you
2: know what's sad you know what's sad about all these politicians and um uh, and 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 i'll include um uh, the republican establishment people too they think we're stupid they ca- they can't they can't understand why we don't believe what they tell us. Well, they've been lying to us for years and years and years, and now people, thanks to like Steve Bannon and and some of these other reporters, Charlie Kirk for Turning Point USA, who are actually opening opening people's eyes about right. what's really going on.
1: Good old Abe Lincoln said, you know, you can fool some of the people some of the time, you could, but you can't fool all the people all the time. And uh, unfortunately, that's a page in history that most politicians haven't read. Unfortunately, because uh, it's the uh, the lies are so obvious and obvious fact checker. You could check stuff out.
2: Well, and and here's another example too. Hillary Clinton, who's been talking in her own echo chamber for years now, who who demonized uh, uh, Donald Trump for for uh, election fraud statements. When when that's exactly what she did I know. ad nauseum after the 2016 election. And now she's calling. Um, she she made the mistake which helped lose her the election. Election by calling Trump supporters deplorables. Now we're all Nazis. Yeah. (laughs) Now we're all Nazis. Yeah. It's it's just amazing to me. Oh, and one and one more uh, thing, because I want to cover some of the news that I saw this morning. I mentioned to you off air was uh, Chris Wallace, who thinks he's just the best of the best, who quit Fox to go to this multi million dollar contract at CNN, premiered his new show. And it got a grand total of 44,000 viewers. Wow. I'm sure that CNN is going, huh, I'm wondering if we're getting any bang for our buck.
1: I don't think so. Uh, but, but they're probably stuck with a contract right now with Chris Wallace. They're trying to stick him someplace. And then they they also moved uh, one of their other uh, anchors to, uh, to a spot. Don Lamont. Don Lamont. <laughs>
2: That Tucker calls. <laughs> Tucker is so great. By the way, I, I'm still trying to research more about uh, about um, Tucker Carlson, who, whose great show, I mean, we never miss it because he's just, it's not long enough because he brings forth such great truths, but that he was out in California um, speaking at the funeral of the person who started the Hell's Angels.
1: I know. And is I'm it?
2: just going, how did that happen?
1: So he just remembers uh, something that the guy said. It, it resonated with him for years and years and years. And so he makes an appearance at the funeral and gives a, you know... It's a, kind
2: of a eulogy.
1: A, a eulogy thing. to the guy. And and, uh, and
2: it, made, it made the Daily Mail, which is great.
1: Linda, you just can't make this stuff. You know, when you have you on the show, I just never know what to expect, but it's always terrific. I,
2: but didn't I... I did like like five topics this morning. I fit it all in.
1: Thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. All right. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Tomorrow, we'll have our mainstays on Wednesday. That'll be Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute, will be joining us, as well as Andy Joppa. Andrew Joppa is a professor and author of uh, Josephus Savaz. He also is a prolific blog writer and uh, I post many of his blogs on my website. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Uh, it's one of the ways that we support our advertisers. Uh, we couldn't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day. Make it safe day as well with all these storms coming. Uh, namaste.